0: Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship.
1: Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go for the summer worship service wherever you are, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling. We're so glad to have you tuning in. And I know that some of you may be home at New Canaan staying in the air conditioning because outdoors as beautiful as it will be in the garden this morning. I know it is hot, hot and humid, Uh, one of the hottest days uh, of the year, I guess, but we're grateful to have you with us, and we are going to be starting a sermon series today, uh, which I'm calling the uh, Stonemason Series, and we're going to be looking at uh, stories where Jesus uses his rock or stone images, metaphors, or illustrations for our relationship with God and uh, kind of the grounding of our faith, and we're going to look today at the story of Jesus returning to his hometown in Nazareth and his own people. Uh, his own people, his own community not accepting him. But before we do that, I want you to prepare your hearts for worship and for the word as we listen to the song in the morning. you know. So as I mentioned, we begin a series uh, this week really looking at a kind of different image uh, for Jesus than maybe we've had traditionally, Uh, and it starts with this story where Jesus makes his way early on in his ministry back to his hometown of Nazareth, and he's rejected. And so we're looking in the uh, sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, starting with verse one, and it says, Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, that is the town of Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath day, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They began to say, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? What what deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary and the brother of James and Joes and Judas and Simon are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. The word of God for the people of God. So you heard it. We read it. Uh, They said, where did this man get all this? Is this not the carpenter? Where did this man get all this? Is this not the carpenter? Those, those were the questions that greeted Jesus as he returned to his hometown of Nazareth. People wondered, you know, how could a carpenter have such wisdom? How, how could a carpenter be teaching with such authority in the synagogue? Where did this man get all this? They wanted to know. Those, those were disbelieving and, frankly, derogatory questions. The people of Nazareth wanted to know how Jesus, the carpenter, was such a compelling teacher. And this morning, I want to attempt to address that question in ways that that perhaps offer a different image of Jesus than we've traditionally held. So, Jesus the carpenter uh, in in. Uh, fine art in literature and movies, uh, we get a kind of uh, image of Jesus as this fine woodworker. Uh, literally, in, in, in fine art, you'll see Jesus in some portraits depicted in a, in a massive workshop, uh, or uh, in, in um, certain works of art, he's in his father's workshop, because in Matthew it says that Jesus was the son of a carpenter, but it's this idea that they've got this expansive workshop, which would not have existed in Palestine. The, the dwellings alone are teeny tiny. Or you may remember there was that uh, uh, series uh, bo- of books back in the 80s, I think, uh, by Joseph Grizzone, the Joshua series, where Joshua, the Jesus character, was, a, was an exquisite uh, wood sculptor. Um, or even more recently, uh, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, where there's this one scene where it kind of indicates that maybe Jesus was the inventor of the table with chairs around it. You know, so, so it's this image of Jesus as a really uh, high-end carpenter. Now... There are at least two big problems with Jesus being a carpenter or a woodworker. And the first, I I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but Jesus never used woodworking images in his teachings. He never referred to joining or cutting or or carving wood for sermon illustrations. Now, he frequently used agrarian images, the garden, the olive grove, the wheat field, the vineyard, but nothing about framing a house with wood. Uh, Jesus talked about food and banquets all the time but he never, ever referenced the building of a table. There's actually only one reference to wood in the entire Gospels that Jesus makes. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talked about how we're not supposed to judge one another, and he said, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. That's it. So the first issue I have with Jesus being a woodworker is that if that's the case, Jesus should have been using some carpentry images for his teaching because as, as preachers, we begin with what we know. Now, the second issue is the place where Jesus was born, where he lived, where he worked, where he taught, where he died. You know, as you know, I've had the privilege, the blessing of traveling to Israel on eight different occasions. I love it there, particularly up in the north, the region of the Galilee. It's just, it's just rural and beautiful, bucolic. But I'll tell you, when you look around, Take a guess at what you don't see all that much of. Trees. I mean, honestly, I have no idea where the Romans got all their crosses. You know, there there are trees in the Holy Land to be sure, but not enough to be a primary building material. I mean, just just guess what most of the older homes and buildings in Israel are made out of. Stone, right? You've probably seen pictures, you know that. Now, the Greek word that gets translated into carpenter is tecton, which is simply a, a Greek word for builder. It's just a basic term for builder. But when the King James Version of the Bible, which was created in England in the early 1600s, when that translation was first uh, made, tecton was translated or, or builder was translated with English understandings, of course, right? And, and English builders built with wood. Wood's plentiful in England. So for the past 400 years, Jesus has been a carpenter because of the King James version of the Bible instead of what he likely was, a stonemason. Now, while there's hardly any wood references in Jesus's teachings, Jesus used stone images and illustrations all the time. And I I know you know many of these. I mean, just think about it. The choice between building one's house on sand or stone. Jesus called uh, one of his disciples, Peter, Petra, or rock, and he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. A few verses later, he called Peter a stumbling block. Uh, Jesus warned anyone who leads children astray that they should have a great millstone put around their neck and be thrown into the sea. And as you well know, Jesus referred to himself as a cornerstone. The stone the builders have rejected has become the stone all other stones align to. And, and in Luke, we actually get Jesus talking about a construction project as an illustration. He says, for which of you intending to build the tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost. Sounds like a contractor, right? To see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, that masonry work, and it's not, not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him. I, I mean, I could, I could go on and on. I mean, I I don't think there's any way Jesus could have been a wood carpenter. He must have been a stonemason, one who builds with rock. So I imagine you're saying, okay, great, but so what? Why why do I care? Why do I care what building materials Jesus built with? Why is a stonemason an important image to consider when we think about Jesus and our relationship with him? Well, in 1 Peter, one of the letters in the New Testament, it says, and it's talking about us. Like living stones, like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And, and that text suggests that we are Jesus's building blocks. We're Jesus's building material. Or you can just think about the questions hurled at Jesus when he returned to Nazareth. The, the people asked, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? Is this not the stonemason, the builder, the, the rock mover? I I don't know how much you know about working with stone. I I know a little bit. I've told you before, my very first job when I was a kid, my brother and I uh, formed Garner Brothers Rock Removal. We were in a new neighborhood, and after every spring when the frost heaves had had brought up rocks in people's lawns, we'd go and dig them out and fill them with dirt, and that was our job. And uh, I've been working with stone as a hobby off and on much of my life. So I just want to tell you why I think at least Jesus spending his formative years as a stonemason may be significant and helpful, a helpful image. And this is the basis of our summer sermon series. I'm going to call it the stonemason series. And we're just going to look at uh, some of the stories that Jesus told about uh, the stones. And and this morning, I just want to offer a few observations, okay? And the first one that I think is significant is that stonework is prayer work. Okay, we know that the Psalms were Jesus' prayer book. Jesus prayed the Psalms and quoted the Psalms with great regularity. And and if you know much about the Psalms, you know that psalmists tend to use rock as an image and metaphor for God continually. Uh, Some examples, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. Or uh, for who is God except the Lord and who is a rock besides our God? Or they remember that God was their rock, the Most High, their dwelling place. I mean, I, I love thinking of Jesus working with his hands, handling stone, and meditating upon and praying to our God, who is as solid and sturdy and dependable as rock. You know, Jesus' work as a stonemason was prayer work. And, and, and I think that gets to another important feature of our Lord and Savior. Jesus was not some hoity-toity pastor from New Canaan. Jesus wasn't a hedge fund manager nor a venture capitalist. Jesus was a manual laborer. Jesus did work that made his hands and his arms and his back strain and ache. He knew what it was like to be physically exhausted after a day of work. Jesus probably had fingers bent and broken from being caught between stones. I mean, we have a Lord and Savior who was a laborer. Perhaps even a day laborer. You know, you might want to think about that the next time you see a crew rebuilding a stone wall around town, or the next time uh, you have a Mason come out to work on your own home. And that was Jesus. Simple, humble, perhaps overlooked. uh, Certainly, at least in this story, discounted. Another observation gets to that word, that that tecton word. Jesus was a builder. He was a builder fundamentally, Jesus's work is about building up, even his teaching work. I mean, that, that was his trade. That was the work that he knew best. That, that work is where he got much of his wisdom that he shared. Now, it's important to say that anyone who's ever worked to repair a stone, stone structure knows sometimes you have to break a wall down before you can build it back up again. That can be an essential part of the process, but but Jesus was fundamentally a builder. He wants to build us up, and he wants us to do the same for others. Another observation, and I love this one, stonemasons never throw any material away that they work with. The one thing we really know about stonework from archaeology in the Holy Land is that stones were never discarded. When a city wall needed to be rebuilt or some new structure needed to be formed, the builders of Jesus' time often would take stones that had been used for other purposes and and reuse them in the new work. You know, a a builder might need to tear down a structure before it can be rebuilt, but at no time are stones discarded. Stones might be reconfigured to make something better or stronger, but a mason never throws out solid, dependable, valuable material. And, And I love this. Even the chips, Okay. Even the chips and the shards that are trimmed off a stone, those rough edges that have to be worked out, even those chips are used as fill to strengthen or stabilize the structure. Just a final quick observation, a mason spends most of their time shaping stones. Stonemason will take a stone, or if you want to think about it as a metaphor from that text in 1 Peter I shared with you, take a stone or take a life as it is and will work on it until that stone or that life is shaped into ways that allow it to fit in the structure that's being built. So a stonemason will take a chisel and a hammer and will break off rough edges, will smooth off high spots and low spots. A stonemason will, might, might even break a stone in two so that it can be usable in multiple locations. Uh, a, a stone or a life uh, might take a lot of punishment, a lot of hammering, until it's formed into a shape that can be useful. Now, all that hammering can seem damaging to the untrained eye, but to the stonemason, the stonemason knows for a stone to fit its intended place and purpose, it has to be well shaped. I mean, think about that. Have you, <laughs> have you had a few rough edges knocked off you over the years? Did you have an attitude or an edge or some angst you needed to have smoothed out a bit? Now, if you did, I bet I bet it wasn't exactly a pleasant process, but... It was necessary, right? So the people of Jesus' hometown were astounded at him, saying, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? No, it's not the carpenter. It's not the work of a fine fine or fancy finished carpenter. This this is the work of a stonemason who will hammer and hammer and hammer on us until we fit into the structure the Lord is making. That's the image I want to share with you today as we begin this series. That's today's goal. Share this image, Jesus as Savior and stonemason working on you and on me. And do you happen to know, think about your Bible, do you happen to know what structure Jesus said he's trying to build? It says it right at the beginning of the Gospels. What is, the, uh, what is Jesus trying to build with you, with me, with all the many disciples that have come before us? Well, Jesus said he's trying to build a kingdom, the kingdom of God. A kingdom as strong and stable, as enduring, as the stones it's made of, and as the God who inspires it. And you know what? We are the stones. That's what that first Peter says. We are the stones. And and here's the really amazing part. Do you remember the image of God Jesus reflected on in the Psalms that we were talking about that earlier? God is rock, right? So God is rock and we are the stones, which means to Jesus's mind, we're made of the same material as the Almighty. So as we begin this series, I I want you to trust. Trust the hands of the stonemason, even when it hurts. Trust that Jesus handles us as if we were the material of God. Jesus prays over us while perhaps tearing us down a bit to build us back up. Jesus shapes us and molds us with a purpose so that we're built into a kingdom, a kingdom of love and justice and peace, a kingdom that, as Jesus promised, against which the gates of hell will not prevail. Let's pray. Lord God, um, it's good to think of you, to meditate upon your life and ministry from different angles and perspectives. And so that's what we do this morning. Um, Rather than some woodworker, uh, you're someone who works with stone. Um, You chisel and hammer and work away until a stone, or a life, Lord, can fit into the structure that you are making. So, our God, we ask that we would be available to the work you want to do with us and on us so that we can fit into the structure, that we can fit into the plan, the purpose that you have for us. Uh, Lord God, uh, uh, we ask that you would allow a yielding heart within each one of us so that we would be willing to be made or remade into that which you desire. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, our Savior, our stonemason. Amen. Well, church family, as you head into another week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.